Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Awesome. Yes, Our the true history of, of Pocahontas. Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah. That was just dumb making it based yes. on real, real people. Like, come on. Um, Quasimodo, uh-huh. who dies next to the corpse of Esmeralda, buried. It's fucked up. I love it. I love it. And I love. I used to make college kids cry at work. They'd be like, "I love Pocahontas." I was like, "Really? Let me shatter your dreams." That, that sounds like you. It was. It's a lot of fun. That, that sounds like something you would enjoy. I mean, I'm known as the curmudgeon on, yeah. on the bandwagon. I know. You're also Just known like as the guy who, in... for some reason, didn't think that Black Panther should be in the top 10 Marvel superheroes of all Oh, time. Jesus Christ. Great oh, job, Patrick. Oh, explain why. I'm okay with it. I've been comfortable with my life. No one cared about your explanation. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Chairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, opinion, and analysis. I'm a white, middle-aged dude from fucking Illinois. I'm sorry that I don't want to be like, yes, let me project all my white guilt on the dude who everybody's just really excited about because they made one, and it's a landmark movie. Not that I not my hero. Not for me. The list are all in. So I'm not going to put Chad Hogan as one of my top ten heroes when I'm not that guy. Like, that's not for me. That's right. Sylvester Stallone, Judge Dredd, on my list. Chadwick Boseman, not. I think because I changed the audio setting, you have no idea. You just talked all over the opening of the show. None whatsoever. Oh, that's hilarious. That yeah, the whole yeah, thing yeah. Was no, we did I really? No, we didn't hear. There was, did not hear. Yeah, I heard nothing. That's not great. a damn thing. Let me, uh, yeah. Let's see if we can fix that real quick. Let's uh, see what we can I do. I can rant about Zack Snyder, too, if you'd like me to go there. No, I'm good. Oh, jeez. Trust me. I, I listen to Bandwagon Nerds, and I don't want to after listening to you. Yeah, Greg, on. next week, Greg and I are oh, going to review Army it. of the Dead. Oh, we're we're allegedly gonna do that too. Yeah, Greg, don't watch it with the kids around. Just, just. What did that sound like? 
I Just heard kidding. Adam Cole, baby. Okay, good. Just yeah, we heard sure. that. Yeah, it's actually really funny. Like, if you go back and listen to it when I published the show, your entire rant is pretty much has sabotage in the background. Actually, your rant is in the background right. of sabotage, probably. And and it's it's just as impactful as it was the first time. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Babyface Heel Podcast. My name is Greg DeMarco. I am uh, one of the three people on this show. You've already heard the other two talking while we had show openings, while we had everything else. It's the Babyface Heel Podcast because there's two sides to every story line. I'm the heel, obviously. Patrick is the babyface, although depending on your stance on Black Panther, you might think differently. And Miranda Morales is stuck in the middle, forced to be the referee, the peacekeeper, the tweener, and free to choose sides as she wishes. Of course, the Babyface Heel Podcast is part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Follow us along at Chair Shot Media. This show also streams on all of your favorite platforms like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so many more. So go ahead and like, subscribe, and leave us that five-star review. Tell a friend. Tell a friend you listen. Tell them what you thought. Let them know if you like the show. Great. If you don't like the show, let's go ahead and keep that part to yourself, but still tell them about the show. Let them make their own decision. Of course, you can follow me on all of your forms of social media at ChairShotGreg. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I just explained the differences on the Tuesday morning edition of ChairShot Radio again. So uh, go back and listen to that one. It's a great episode anyway. I'm talking about responsible journalism. So give it a listen. It's a good topic. The voice you heard uh, during the entire opening of the show talking about <laughs> what he was talking about is none other then the wrestling realist Patrick O'Dowd. Go ahead and follow him on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That's W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. There's no I in wrestling, but there is one in Realist, and there is one in Patrick for the Wrestling Realist, Patrick O'Dowd. Patrick, welcome to the program, you racist. You not racist. No, you're not racist. That's it's. If anybody knew I, you, they they would know way better than that. Um, right, I was like you. You listen to me talk on any of our shows, and you should. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm perfect, but I, I think yeah. racist is a little bit of a strong statement. By the way, happy anniversary! Thank you. You know, for the, for the in the real in the real life. Congratulations for you know staying married. That's I've never done anything longer than that except live and breathe. So yeah, that's there. You uh, go. Biggest accomplishment ever is keeping that thing going. Good trip. Yeah, the beach outstanding nice. trip. Great time at the beach. Um, Love the beach. The weather was a little colder than you would want it to be at the beach. Um, hmm. It was in the lower 60s. But and you got the breeze coming off the ocean and everything else. But I ain't complaining, man. The hotel was great. We had this huge balcony that, that kind of overlooked the other side, kind of the mountainside portion of it all. And, yeah, it was really cool and, and something that, that was a lot of fun. Encinitas in, in just north of San Diego in California is the greatest little beach town. It, it's literally a population of, like, 30,000 or 50,000 or something like that. We looked it up. It's tiny. Um, you know, California, the, the what's open versus what's not open is very different. Um, we ate dinner, like we ate, we ate breakfast one morning, basically on the street. Our table was on the street, like in the road lane that was blocked off. Um, that was cool. But then Sunday morning we ate at a place that is open on the inside only. And the owner was talking to us about how it's affected his business and everything else. We went there because it used to be something else that probably closed down during COVID and got bought out. So it was uh, good times, good times had by all. So, so you said this 
this place was tiny and it had how many people? The whole city has like 30 or 40,000 people. Which I think is hilarious because you say 30 or 40,000 people. I'm like, wow, that's a decent sized town. As I mean, again, a guy who grew up amongst at, at a town of like 4,000. Well, that's small for California, though, right? Yeah, it uh, is. It's small for yeah, California. It's, tiny it's small for, for Arizona. It, it's, it's, I'm just, if that's tiny, then what was the town I grew up in? Yeah, I was going to say, though. Non-existent. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's also pretty big for Arizona as well, from a kid who grew up in a super small my, town. I used to talk about how my town was a square mile. Like, a square mile. You cross-country practice. We'd run outside the town. That's four miles. That's it. That's it. That is pretty small. We've grown since then, but not big. So uh, now I'm looking up populations because, you know, that's what we do here on the show. And, and we fact right. check. Yeah. That's why. Responsible. Uh, last last week Arizona, was all about Lionel Richie. So you were Arizona, by the <laughs> yeah. way, Miranda Morales. 93,000 population in 2010. It wasn't that big. Yeah. It wasn't that big when I grew up. I, I was there in 94. Okay. So it was 2000 like 87,000. So, or census, 2000 census is 77,000. So yeah, it was still bigger than where I just was. That's, that's for sure. I've, it's also the most depressing place on planet earth. I've been there and it's, it's, I also found out it's the hottest. Thank place you. Thank you. Earth. Yeah. Well, that, that yes. explains why also, we're in Tucson. all uh, of those are facts. The most depressing, yeah. hottest, uh, biggest rate of, you know, anywhere from unemployment to teen right. pregnancy. Probably Musical. also biggest rate of vacant depressing like Kansas in strip malls. Like, holy crap. Like when, we've talked about this, but when I went there, every second building was it's like two out of every three storefronts were occupied. The other two were empty. Like it was just, mm-hmm. uh, I just felt bad. Like, like I didn't know if to give these people food or to give them luggage so they could move. Like I wasn't sure what to do. So I did nothing, unfortunately, but it's, I did what everybody else does. And I, I yell and scream. I love how you're like, I didn't know what to do. So I did nothing. I mean, I sound the like bystander the effect. That's, that's the Greg DeMarco way. Is it though? <laughs> because I remember calling both of you out on a show for complaining about things, but doing nothing about them. So I'll go back and find it. You guys. At, le- at least we vote. Oh, I voted. wait. He votes? Oh, wait, no, sorry. You're just not political. That's hell. No, I'm not oh. political. I got into politics a couple of weeks ago on Twitter and I, Never, I lost probably a hundred followers and and just stopped what? replying because it was stupid. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's what happens when you when you engage. Like I didn't engage. But do, what? Are, but what do you believe in, Greg? What do you stand for, sir? You you know what I stand justice. For. justice. I do. I stand justice. for individual no, freedom. You know that. Let people choose what they want to do. Don't judge them. I was just going with what Batman would say. I don't know. That's true. Batman. Well. It's a twisted version of justice. Exactly. It's some deep. You got. He has some trauma. He has some things. It also depends what universe. So trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a really toxic codependent just, relationship with the Joker. Just a Pretty little much. bit of trauma as a child, yeah, like you know, yeah. just a little bit of parent murder, like no big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean. Get over it, right? It's Build fine. a bridge. Get over it. Right. It's just your parents. Okay. <laughs> Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, <laughs> Bruce. Yeah. He has he has like millions of dollars, right? That could, that keeps him warm at night. Apparently not. So and knows? yet he chooses to hang out in a cave. It's kind of a badass cave, though. Let's be honest. Pretty sweet. I mean, he's rich, so exactly. I mean, you kind of hang out in a cave, Patrick. Like, let's think about the room you're in. Right well, now. yeah. I mean, I I open my podcast by welcoming other basement dwellers like it's true 
But you've been making the basement joke years before you did podcasting from the basement. So true, but like you actually you make fun of basement dwellers so much you became one. Eh, it's the easiest place to do the podcasting. Oh, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And if I had a basement in another state that wasn't Arizona, I'd probably podcast from the basement as well. So there do you completely go. understand. I got the Harry Potter room, the closet under the stairs that I could podcast from, but I don't. So that'd be yeah, kind of so. cool. <laughs> yeah. If you get if you're gonna do that though, you'd have to like I, I'd expect to see you on the on the um the Google Meets like huddled sort of like mm-hmm. holding like a little microphone, like you're trying to yes. do it in secret, a la Harry Potter. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Also, okay. you need it's... to have Dobby. If Dobby's somewhere not in this Oh, picture... fuck Dobby. No, Dobby's don't trash. say that to him. Fuck Dobby. Dobby's no. Dobby's like my second or third favorite character. Dobby was a saint. All he wanted was what? a damn pair of socks. And when he finally got him, it he was got like, a pair of socks. He got it and he died. And he he died. got his socks and like he died. Patrick O'Dowd, you don't understand. Five, five years later, he no, no, no. got his socks. He died after getting his socks. Someone handing Dobby a pair of socks was like Captain America finally saying Avengers assemble. Okay, this is a big fucking deal. And I don't think you understand just how big it is. You Black Panther hater. It happened in book two. Jesus Christ, he got the sock in book two. He fucking lived for another five years, and all he does is fall around Harry Potter being like, I love you, sir. I will do anything for Harry and Potter. And he did. He and paid he the ultimate price. Right. I did not feel sorry for Dobby. I did not. I know. No, I felt more sorry for Hedwig the Owl than I did for Dobby. Wow. It's true. It's uh. true. It's like, oh, the poor bird. Head- Hedwig had sucked when he died, but Dobby... His death scene is like one is still like one of the most like tear jerking scenes in the entire series. But was it though? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it, it was. was. Yes, it was. That's a fact. Really? I don't know how you could not appreciate. Uh, I just, I don't know, dude. I, I yeah, I'm sorry that I don't care about the. Wow. You're not. You're apologizing for something you're not even really sorry about. I'm not at all. Yeah, no, then don't, just, yeah, don't be sorry. You just, you're just like, where's the piece of your heart that's missing? It's like the Grinch. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. here, I'll do this just for you. Okay. <laughs> that's hey, if if that's what helps you all sleep at night. I mean, I've been called racist so far on this show. I clear. I hate Dobby the house elf. Well, you oh. you said you hated Dobby. I I, I do definitely, hate Dobby. I, I, don't, I do not don't believe like you are racist Dobby. whatsoever. No, no, racist against house elves, maybe. But. Oh, I mean, they are a slave cast throughout the entirety of the Harry Potter universe, even though they're quote unquote happy to do it. No, they're not happy. Her- Hermione, Hermione had that part right. They're not happy. No. How could you? It's so, so yeah, like so that, um, so that happened. Yeah. Those are <laughs> and, that's uh, Patrick my name's, I was going to say, my name's Miranda, by this the way. Miranda, Miranda Morales. Morales. She's also N- the nice to join all of you on here the, uh, on the, uh, oh, the Baby podcast. When, when I'm allowed to talk. No, you weren't. Don't lie. You weren't. No, I was. We all know Patrick's the favorite. Patrick's the longest best friend since day whoa, one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. How many podcasts do you do with Greg on a regular basis? 
I mean, that's just because I. I mean, was it? But do you want to do that many podcasts with Greg? Somebody has to do it. Do you want to? Well, here's here's the follow up. Remember that great Triple H podcast that Greg and I were going to do like two years ago? Like, it has been almost that long. I got, I got, I got a notebook. It's I don't know where it is. I don't have a notebook. You don't have a notebook. I watched. I watched one Triple H match. Yes, a short one. <laughs> so you guys are so prepared for this new podcast. No, no. I just, Greg kept being like, ah, we'll try it this time. We'll do this. And finally, I just stopped asking. Because I understood that his chair shot radio session with Miranda and okay. the hashtag Miranda show were you just always up. much more important you than gave up long Triple before, H podcast. You gave up long before chair shot radio on Wednesdays with Miranda was ever a thing. No, you were doing like, the Miranda show before the Triple H. No, I said chair shot radio with Miranda. Oh yeah, you got giant radio, ear but ear things on either ear. You can hear what I say. Like I, I know could you just had a birthday. You keep fading in and out. Like then we need to get weird. you checked. We're gonna get. We're gonna get you. Who's your nearest ear, ear ear doctor that we can get you checked by? Oh no, I can I can hear Miranda just fine. It seems to be a Greg problem. I think that's selective. Uh, is what that is. I don't know. After, Hashtag Greg's fault. Like, after so many years, yeah. after so many years, you've become selective, and, and I kind of can't blame you. So it's okay. I don't. I really can't hold that again. Brandon, we still got to work on our shirt design. By the way, we right? do. Like, yes, new, yeah. The new best friends. The new best friends. I'm we really wouldn't want that, that. We wouldn't want that to fall by the wayside like a Triple H podcast. No, yeah. we're gonna. So, or everything gonna else you've ever design. said you wanted to do and never did. So on well yeah but that's write, I'm flake. like I expect, I expect better from you like, <laughs> the expectations are all set on like, Greg. like do as i say not as i do like this like i'm just about, glad that that didn't happen to bandwagon me. nerds because bandwagon nerds is so good I, I would it would have been unfortunate if you patrick doubted that one so i'm glad that that one has is is as good as it is by the way i don't think you sound like bob odenkirk one bit i mean they're the ones who created it i'm just trying to i don't know I was no, saying I'm I'm in my head. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, I, don't, I don't sound like Bob Odenkirk at no, all. But if what I think is funny is like it was like it was like panel. part of this like roast thing. Yeah, like they they were trying to they were trying to roast it me, did. and I was like, this is actually like really complimentary. No. I don't understand <laughs> what ha- you guys don't know what a roast is. It's like when I make fun of Greg's face and how the nose just sticks through the screen. It's almost like it's. <laughs> three-dimensional poking me in the eye my god you should go get the same plastic surgeon that charlotte has and fix that fucking beak on your face how many times that is would i have to go to the plastic surgeon as many times as she has because she's unrecognizable if you go back and look at like when she made her debut Uh, yeah totally it's a different person like her dana brooke sadly for you carmella like they all don't look the same uh, dana brooke That's the one yeah, that actually gets me kind of sad because I liked the way she used to look. I've never really liked much about Dana Brooke, to be honest with you. But but she's also a perfectly fine human being, and I don't know why she'd have so much plastic surgery. It becomes an addictive. In Sh- Charlotte's case, the most recent stuff actually was an improvement on mm-hmm. some shoddy-looking work. Usually that's not the case, but someone finally said, look, we just gave you a raise. Let's go get this stuff fixed. So, fix, fix the nose, for God's sake. Still think she should have. Just, uh, still not as good as the original. Like that's the problem that I have with it. Like still not as good as the original. So as I don't think I'd ever get my nose because like there's lots of body parts I'd be able to tinker around, but like a nose, like once you start with that, yeah, there's no going back. No, no, there isn't. Like you just Unless start chiseling it. Ch- 
you start chiseling and chiseling away. And if you don't get it right the first time, it's the chances of it getting right every single time after that is going down dramatically. Well, you only you have so the, much nose to work with. And, uh, unless you're Greg. I was going to say, I got start with the first eight inches. Take, take the first eight inches off, see where we stand. And then if we got to go back, we'll just revisit that shit. I've, I've not, <laughs> there's so many things. Dude, I this is, do. this is like a, this is like a 15 year old joke. It like, really is. And unfortunately, he, every single reply I normally have for this man, I would never say to him on a podcast. So that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's why I'm not going to, um, cause that, that's, that's like that, that's, that's, that's some bro code shit that you can't do. So anyway, before I think she interrupted herself and was interrupted by somebody else. That is Miranda Morales. And you can follow her on the Instagram, not on the Twitter. Because she is the Twitterless heroine. She is at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out. It's the queen of soft style, Miranda Morales. Yep. Waving on a podcast. Only the, like 19 minutes into the show when we introduced you. So, Thank you. Thank you. Go. It's a pleasure to be here. H&P's. <laughs> Honor and pleasure. H&P's. <laughs> is that like T's and P's but a little bit different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. T's and P's, I think, is more. Pat- Patrick, you know what these things stand for? You you look puzzled. No idea. T's and P's is thoughts and prayers. Oh, well, that, that would explain why I don't know what that shit is. Because you don't think <laughs> you don't have thoughts for people. I, I don't. I don't give out thoughts and prayers. No. Okay. I I think people could have guessed that about you at this point, but yeah. it's a hollow gesture at best. Is it though? You have something negative about everything. You really do. I, I, I don't buy that. Like thoughts and prayers has become the, the thing we say because it's supposed to be the appropriate thing to say. And I just like, I just don't buy it when somebody's like thoughts and prayers. Like what if a scientist told you that you should do thoughts and prayers, you'd probably do it with no questions. Sorry. What's I'm getting the political science again. behind the thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I don't want to get political. Like, can I, 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 can I get the empirical data that's been peer reviewed and then re-experimented upon? Yeah, that, Is that how science works? Only if you choose to ignore the other data that's also been peered upon you. It could be maybe like if his favorite wrestler said you should do thoughts and thoughts and prayers. No, I don't know? think he'd be. No, Rick, Rick Martel's not going to do that. So. No. <laughs> I was going to say. No, if Randy Orton told Patrick O'Dowd to do thoughts and prayers, Patrick O'Dowd would have a laundry list of reasons why he shouldn't listen to what Randy Orton told him. So that's. I'd actually just be like, are you sure you're Randy Orton? <laughs> that's true, Randy Orton. You know the modern Randy Orton is totally different than the prior Randy Orton. Like he has he feelings is. now. That's, that's he, he, he is still the king roaster on uh, on the social media, though. Uh, oh, yeah. at, at all times, of course, yeah, he is. pretty good social media. He doesn't give a shit, Patrick. Do you like my Instagram story? How I said, pretty much Riddle and Orton is is the modern day Miranda and Patrick. Craig, do I do I ever go on Instagram? I was gonna say he probably didn't see it. Those expire after like twenty four hours. He he didn't see it. Yes. Well, so I, what, what happens when I go I on Instagram it. is I see the little red dot that tells me that somebody said something mm-hmm. and then I go click on it and it's all gone yeah. because it's it happened an two days before. Freak. He hasn't so actually seen the dot yet ago. for what you're talking about. He hasn't even seen the notification yet. He'll, uh, he'll see that tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I don't, well, here, I'll check now. It doesn't and matter I now. It, it's gone. Yeah. I'm sure it's gone by now. I'm sure no, it's, it's gone, but gone. I, mean, I, gone. I, the, I want to see the notification is there though? Like, oh, no, I don't know. Maybe he did. No, oh, there's a yeah, no. 
All right. Well, while you look Miranda at that, Morales mentioned me in my Miranda Morales mentioned you in their story two days ago. Two days ago. Only, here's, here's the thread. It's like Miranda mentioned me in a story. Mentioned me in a story. Mentioned me in a story. Nothing. Nothing. Like I, I see none of this. Then at some point, I wrote best friend, huh? And Miranda replied, "Yup. That's that's our entire thread. Mm-hmm. That's our thread. That's our thread. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. One hundred percent. I'm okay with it. As you should be. As you should be. So yeah, you know what? Let's uh, let's do the T-shirt thing, and then we'll come back. Yes. Yeah, Greg. Why don't we uh, go ahead and? It's already winding. Yes, it is indeed time for you to go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot to pick up your very own chair shot t-shirt today. And if you shop between May 26th and May 31st, you can get 20% off your entire order using the code MEMORIAL. Yes, 20% off your entire order and free shipping in the U.S. on orders over $150. That means you have $150 worth of chair shot t-shirts that you need to to buy for free shipping. If you go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot, you're going to find a ton of awesome t-shirt designs for you to choose from all in support of the chair That includes multiple always use your head t-shirts, multiple chair shot logos, and some real fun t-shirts, including the unofficial official t-shirt of Patrick O'Dowd, hashtag safe tag team wrestling, the queen of soft style shirt, and everybody hates Greg. So go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot to pick up your t-shirt today. Don't forget, if you're shopping between May 26th and May 31st, use the code MEMORIAL to get 20% off your entire order. That is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. 
So earlier today, today being Tuesday, May 25th, that's the day that we record this show, so you can listen on Wednesday, news was released that WWE has well, released, parted ways, ended their relationship with Monday Night Raw play-by-play announcer Adnan Verk. Now, Adnan Verk had been with the company seven weeks and had appeared on seven editions of, of WWE Monday Night Raw, and now he's gone. This has prompted everything from his explanation that, you know, oh, the travel was so much, but I'm thankful for the time, the opportunity, the people, all of that, to everybody saying, well, he sucked and he shouldn't have been in the role anyway. And that's probably why he was really fired. And now he's doing damage control. So here we sit seven weeks after his WWE debut, Adnan Verk, no longer in the big chair and no longer the play-by-play voice of WWE Monday Night Raw. Patrick O'Dowd, we'll let you go first. The internet obviously knows what they're talking about. He just sucked, right? No, but uh, um, was he was he perfect for a guy who'd been doing that that particular role for seven weeks? No, but was he the worst thing I've ever heard as a play by play guy? Not even close. It was that's the thing that I was, you you talked about the internet. It was it wasn't even so much that they they were like they were just so smug. Like if 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 Twitter could have a tone over Adnan Perk's departure. It was this smug, like wrestling's hard doing play by play for wrestling is hard and not just anybody could do it as if Adnan Perk showed up off the street and was like, this looks easy. I'm just going to do it and be amazing. And I, it is hard. I agree. I think that seven weeks is a little quick to pull the plug for a guy who was jumping into a completely different environment than I'm sure. Like it's famous what it's like wearing the headset when you're doing play by play for raw. And that is that the producer in your ear is a very loud producer who basically tries to dictate what you say pretty strongly all the way through your show until you become you know, Michael Cole or Jim Roth. And even Michael Cole always has a voice in his ear. And so seven weeks and we're going to smugly be like, yep, this guy was a total failure and he never should have been hired. That's just whatever. I don't, I, I don't think the, I think the WWE, you know, the mutually parted ways part of it tells me that they weren't feeling it and they weren't willing to see it through. Maybe is or it just wasn't happening fast enough for them, and maybe well, some of the family stuff for Adnan was true as well. Uh, they didn't right? say mutually; they just said parted ways. They didn't say mutually. Oh, I thought it said mutually. And they thanked him for his work. That's the, and we thank right. him for his yeah. work. Not hard. They didn't work, wish him the best. Not valued work. Yeah. Not good work. Just we thanked him for his work. And you know, people are going to read into that, right. and they know people are going to read into that when they make that statement. Here's my thing, and, and kind of in response to what you were saying, I I think it was a failure. First of all. He wasn't that good. Now, whose fault is that? I don't know. Why do you hire somebody with no experience at this and put them in that chair for the longest running weekly episodic television show of all time? The franchise show, even though it's not SmackDown, which is on network television, it's still Monday Night Raw, the most iconic television wrestling show name in the history of professional wrestling. And you put Adnan Verk there like that? You put Adnan Verk in NXT and let him learn what he's doing. And then you put, you know, somebody else in the chair for Monday Night Raw. And and again, you took Tom Phillips away and Tom Phillips was just fine. And now we have Mm -hmm. Adnan Vark. Like, I just don't 
get it. And I don't see how that can really be his fault. Well, I don't think it was successful. I think it was a failure, um, but I don't see how that could be his fault. Let's let Miranda go before you talk again. Right, um, right. Your thoughts on the departure of Adnan Verk from the big chair. Well, uh, kind of going back to the fan perspective, I think this is also another case of fans being very protective of wrestling. And when you have an outsider coming in, especially taking in a role that could have been with someone already with the company, this was also happening around the time that Samoa Joe was released. And so a lot of fans thought, why couldn't we continue to have Samoa Joe in this role? I think a lot of people thought that uh, Adnan took Samoa Joe's place um, for, for whatever that's worth. But I think that this is also a case of here's an outsider coming into wrestling, not knowing it and not, even though I don't think he did anything disrespectful, it's just that we as fans sometimes can get very, and I say we, not me, everybody else can get very protective of, you know, wrestling and who comes in. I think with Pat McAfee joining SmackDown, there was a little bit of a, a or already a familiarity. We've already seen him in the ring. We already saw him in a program. And also he's been a fan. So it was very much more well-received than, um, Adnan coming coming in. So I feel like that's probably where a lot of that negative reception comes in. And I think it comes in any single, every single time you have an outsider come in into that role. But I do also think it's an interesting uh, aspect of how sometimes they take too long to pull the plug on something. And sometimes they pull the plug immediately. And, you know, it may, things still may not be clicking, but for some reason they let things run um, longer for whatever reason. And then in, and like in this case, they pull it pretty quickly. I think probably it's because it was still early enough where they could reshift pieces and they could find some semblance of a team again. People. Um, and if it just wasn't gelling with the company, especially, and those are really the people who matter, you know, fans, they can have their opinions, but if it's the people behind the scenes, Though those are the opinions that matter. And if they didn't feel like it was a good fit, it was never going to work. But I understand that that's also seemingly part of the, this direction that the company has taken really over the past you know few years. And I think will continue is strategically bringing in outsiders from different entities, whether that's sports or entertainment, into the WWE to kind of help bring in a different fan base and help kind of, uh, you know, um, legitimize, which is not the best word, but this is the best word I can come up with as to, you know, making the WWE feel more of a, like a legitimate sport. I I don't think legitimize is, is a bad word to use at all. I think that Craig, I kind of want to go back to something you you mentioned, or you sort of alluded to, they really set up Virk to fail. Um, Because even if you look at the Mike Adamley disaster, Adam Lee didn't start like Adam Lee started as a backstage guy, like holding the mic and interviewing people before they actually put him in a chair. If I like Verk didn't even get that. And so that's kind of what I was getting at with, with this whole thing is he, he was brought in to do play by play and you know, whether or not, like how he got the job, like how he was approached to, to be offered well, the job. About that what, I know something about that. I'll, say, yeah, I was, I'll get there. I was going to say, cause I don't, I don't really know how that, that went. Um, I don't know that he was sitting there being like, haha, I want to take some Joe's job. I mean, you know, if you're presented with an opportunity, 
what's to stop you right. from taking it? Well, he didn't take some but, job either, but that's different. No, or, or, yeah. or, um, and again, that's, whatever. I think the perception of it, you know, right. like just the timelines were close enough where people thought that, which I think just added yeah. more to fans not wanting to give him a, a chance at all. Well, so and that's, that's just the toxicity of a fan base too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. right. If you ever go on Twitter, right. we see that. On a daily basis. So here is, okay, so here's a couple of bits of information that are out there. That's not anything that that's really, you have to be privy to, to know. And Michael Cole even talked about this on the Pat McAfee show. Michael Cole's job that most people don't realize is vice president of announcing. And Michael Cole made the comment with Pat McAfee about whether or not the whole Pat McAfee experiment will work. And he said, well, it's my job if it doesn't. Michael Cole was the one behind these announcing changes. Michael Cole was the one behind bringing... Pat McAfee to SmackDown. Michael Cole was the one behind shifting Corey Graves over to Raw so we could have Pat McAfee on SmackDown and then the hiring of Adnan Verk. And that was just a bad decision on Michael Cole's part and, and right. on WWE for going with it. And it's, it seems like the first time that since Michael Cole's kind of been in charge of the announcing, there have been these random shifts that have taken place. Now, I don't know if that's Vince saying, hey, we need to fix these things. Michael Cole, fix it. Or if that's Michael Cole thinking, I want to put my thumbprint on this and, and really impact this sector of the business with what we're doing and, and what we're working on. WWE by nature is day of. It's a day of business, right? Talent has no idea what right. they're doing until they get there. And that's by design. Sasha Banks once talked about an interview before she got her mega push where she complained that they don't know what's going on until they get there. And that's how they keep shit from getting out. Like that's not a new thing. So your announcers also don't know what's happening until shortly before the show. And if you don't know what you're doing, that's a real tough position to be in. If you're adding on Verk and you don't really know what some of these things are, and now you got to talk about it, like that's tough. And even if you're studying and watching the product, it's still very hard because you're new to that. And I have a feeling he was thrown in with very little preparation. I really, really do. Based on how quickly those announcing moves and releases happened. And, and, you know, Samoa Joe literally was there for WrestleMania and then three days later was gone from the company. That's just, right. you know, kind of tells you where, where things were at with that. Uh, and they'll probably put Tom Phillips back in on Raw on Monday and he'll probably do a perfectly good job, just like he has always and, and everything. I think Vince just doesn't like him because he's like this scrawny little guy who seems really for frail. Like if the wind blows, Tom Phillips would blow away. And I think <laughs> that's Vince's problem with him. Um, which is really, really stupid because I think Tom Phillips does a good job when he's not, you know, DMing underage girls, but that's a whole different story. Um, but they, uh, you know, it took them how long to hold that against Velveteen Dream? So who knows? But right. it's, it's interesting that they even did that. And, and to me, I think the one who should be most worried about this is Michael Cole because WWE is not afraid to strip you of your power in a position. Look at Johnny Ace. Look at John Laurinaitis. He's been up and down in his roles for the longest period of time. So many others have, have gained power, lost power in, in, in that company. And I could see it happening to Michael Cole as well here in all these shifts and changes that we're seeing within WWE. We wouldn't change the status as an announcer, but could change some other things. Um, so that's I, – I do think, like you said, guy was definitely set up to fail. Could this come back and bite Michael Cole in the ass, Miranda? I mean, I think the, so I want to go two ways. Yes, it could only because it seems like sometimes there are weird things that the company holds against people. And even though this was very short term and very fixable, um, 
I think if it made that negative and an impact in that short amount of time, they may hold it against him where, yeah, it could, it could bite him. Um, but I think it's also the fact that it was only seven weeks and that it is fixable and they can transition back to a team that in seven more weeks will forget about it and life will go on and everything will be fine. So I think that, yes, only depending on how those higher ups, how long they hold on to this and they view this as a major mistake. But if you let, you know, seven weeks go by, it could be something easily that everyone forgets about to move on. And, you know, there, there you go. Life, life goes on. So I, I like to lean towards no, um, but there's always that possibility because I just, I don't personally know who in that higher power positions hold on to these types of mistakes for that long. And it seems like it's very somewhat arbitrary. I mean, even just in the example between Tom Phillips and Velveteen Dream, you know, like there's things that get held on for a while, things that some people get addressed for and some other and others don't, whatever it may be. So I think because of it's, it's just so random almost like it's hard to tell. Well, and for the record, oh, I, I don't know that Tom Phillips' DM escapades were underage like Velveteen Dreams were. So that's right. You put that out there. Sorry, Pat. And, and I will say that there is Please. something to there is something to be said about a perceived value, like rightfully or wrongfully. Like you, you look at folks who get multiple chances, and there's just there's a perceived value. Like I'm sorry, an announcer versus a, a performer who was over until that news really broke. Um, I could I could see why the WWE, even though it's gross, would reluctantly like like let that let that person go. Um, I you know in, in terms of what I it is it is interesting. Like I I kind of agree with you, Greg. Oh gosh, wow, that was a Midwestern Greg <laughs> if I've ever said one. Um, like I got the accent full on that yeah, one. You did. Yeah, I, I, I lean along with you that, you know, it's not, I don't think Michael Cole is going to lose his job or anything, but I could see him being under a tighter leash mm-hmm. um, in terms of like those sorts of decisions. Because uh, if he was given sort of carte blanche to make those hires, then making a mistake with that hire and, and what is a significant amount of a significant enough of a mistake in the eyes of the WWE that they cut it loose after seven shows like that, that, that puts your performance into question in the eyes of Vince McMahon. I mean, this is a man who doesn't like to be sneezed around. So it's just, yeah, I, I think that it could lead to some sort of limiting, um, as to what Cole can do. Uh, and, I guess time will tell. I'm sure we'll get a dirt sheet report that's completely inaccurate and not founded in any level of sourcing by next week. But uh, say, we'll actually... That's probably on Melter's calendar right now for next week. It's too soon <laughs> to put that out there. Yeah, it's too soon. It's too soon. But I think for next week, he could definitely, definitely put that information out there. There's a possibility, too, that Michael Cole went into this as like, hey, let's just try it. We have Tom Phillips just sitting here. If it doesn't work, we right. so maybe they went into it with that. It's kind of like the Eric Bischoff hire. Like Bischoff himself was like, we didn't know if this was going to work. I, I, that's why Eric Bischoff didn't sell his house in Wyoming. He was like, I didn't know if I was right. going back in that house in six months like I was. So it's possible that the same thing happened for Adnan Verk. Here's the other thing. When Adnan Verk was hired, WWE had no public intentions of going back on the road. And so they were in Tampa 
you know, every single week. Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee himself has said, we got to figure some stuff out now because we're on the road. Like he had a place to do. He does his show on Friday, the Pat McAfee show, and then goes over to the building to do SmackDown. FanDuel is providing him with a place to do his show from that they happen to have a property in Tampa already, the FanDuel house or whatever that other shows broadcast out of as well. He's not going to have that now when WWE is in Texas and wherever else they are. So they got to figure that out too. Can McAfee still do his show? What's that situation going to look like? So that's going to be tough. Patrick. I, I got it. Bus. Give Pat McAfee <laughs> a traveling studio bus. I want it. Let's do it. FanDuel. You want it. Book it. I think Greg and Miranda I don't Miranda know that Pat McAfee it. would want it. Pat McAfee, but- <laughs> Pat McAfee fl- flies first class and hates airplanes. Like, like he flies private planes now and that's how Ooh, he's been getting there a private plane a private studio? plane yeah yeah oh. that's an idea from up in the air with a twenty thousand feet what is it, what is it DraftKings? is that is that his oh yeah <laughs> big DraftKings plane fandle 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 yeah let's get it right well and just FanDuel, because just, that's what i say just wrong. because uh you know mcafee flies doesn't mean the bus i mean the bus could drive wherever and yeah. meet up pat at whatever place he's at and that's how he does it it's know? like the lex that's, express like lex luger didn't always take yes so yes, someone had to drive. He wasn't that bus, in that bus the whole time. Oh, no, no, he wasn't. Greg. I'm sorry. Wow. Really, Wait, is, really Santa, is Santa is Santa Claus not real too? There might be kids listening. We we shouldn't talk about these things right now, Patrick. Tell we should really kids listen to this show. Talk about this off. I should really stop swearing. Let's not bring up Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny here on this show. We just don't want to do that. To what about people. the Tooth Fairy? Is that one? Here's that one the other you? thing that I want to bring up because WWE has made some decisions again. Look at last year's releases. It's like the list of everyone who was known to give information to dirt sheets. It really is is a big group of those people. Adnan Verk was fired from ESPN for leaking information. Whoops. Now, did he leak WWE information? I don't even know if he had information to leak, to be 100% honest with you. Yeah. I, I just don't – the way they keep stuff so tight-lipped, I just don't know that he would be a leak for anything at this point. He wasn't in long enough to really have those kind of connections. I don't think that that's the reason why he got let go. But at the same time, I think it needs to at least be brought up and considered for a brief moment before being dismissed, if that makes any sense. Well, I, I think even just the inkling that he may in the future mm-hmm. um, or that, that, any, that he's a liability – um, and not just a liability as someone who ha- isn't working, uh, on the mic, but someone who they may not trust. That's already some red flags. If you don't trust someone that you hire on, that's a sign that long-term it's not going to work. And again, I do think it's a, a bit of a risk that they take when you bring in a quote unquote outsider into this business, there are still elements of protection that need to happen. There's still elements of, you know, knowledge and security, and you have to trust your employees to not only do what they do in front of the mic, but what they do behind the scenes. And, you know, sometimes it could be, you know, ignorance is bliss. Sometimes when you're coming in from a different world, you just don't know. Um, but I think that's the continued challenge they're going to have if they continue to look at bringing people from other realms um, into this company is that I think there is going to be a layer where maybe there's a little they trust them a little less. And that person is going to have to earn the trust of the company and, and the people a, a little bit more um, than someone who may be coming in from from a wrestling background 
I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think it helped his case. I don't think there was a whole lot that they could grasp onto to kind of keep him. I think there was just a lot of check boxes in their minds that said, you know what? He's not worth the investment. So quick question before we wrap this topic up, because um, I kind of want to know what everybody thinks. So we know Adnan Verk is out. We know that. If you're WWE, what do you do now moving forward? What do you do? How do you replace him? What move do you make? What's what's the next move for WWE in this in this situation? Well, I think. Sorry, I just just had an answer. No, go first. ahead. I, I was uh, trying to call on first anyway because I just sprung it on you guys. Um. So I think that their first move is going to be what you said. Like the Todd Phillips is probably going to would make a lot of sense Tom to, Phillips, to yeah. right to plug in. I Miranda, I think. You know, you keep. I think they want some sort of personality like that. That's outside, and not just like Vince has always been sort of enamored with the like, like with the legitimizing as you as you kind of taught it, like having that sort of personality that because um, you've seen it with other you've seen it with other announcers bringing someone in. I I wish I had a good name for someone. And I wonder if Greg doesn't have someone in mind, which is why, why he asked the question, because, you know, I, I think if you're going to bring someone from the outside though, even though he didn't work, the strategy that was used with a guy like Adam Lee, where you don't start him behind the desk, but you start him as a backstage interview person, mm-hmm. you know, if you can live with, with that person being in that role, and then move them progressively over. Like you, you hired, you're hired with the intent to go here, but here's where we're going to start you to get your feet wet and then actually have you do play by play. And hopefully you won't be Mike Adam. Um, that, that to me, that's the, the would have been the more light. Like, I think that would have been more helpful for Virk. Like, and as Greg right. said, you know, maybe they just didn't have that kind of time to put it together just because, you know, they're letting people go and then here you are. But yeah, I don't know that I can think of a good mainstream person I would bring off the top of my head. Right. Well, you don't that have just to have screams a name. to me hire a guy. You you talked about direction, and I, nobody has to have, have right. a name, you know, specifically. Miranda, what would you do if Michael Cole said, "Hey, what do I do now?" I mean, I think you have to reset and and maybe bring back Tom Phillips uh, for for a while is the best immediate choice. And then long-term again, it sounds like either way though, that they want to long-term change up the commentary booth. So it's really looking at either who do they bring on next? And like Patrick said, finding another way to onboard them in a way that allows them to be successful. Um, Or, you know, maybe just thinking outside of the box of maybe who's already there um, or who's, you know, within the the wrestling business. I know it's not very common to see commentators, say, from other promotions jump on board, um, say, like, those from from MLW or Ring of Honor or whatnot like that. That's not a path that they've typically taken. Um, But that could be an interesting route to go because that way you are bringing someone who is familiar with not only the product, but the wrestling business who probably can be onboarded and trained in a much quicker manner. 
and, you know, can be coachable. I think when you, when you think about anyone in any type of hiring role, you want someone that's coachable and not to say that Adnan wasn't or couldn't, but uh, I think within the context of his background and where I came from compared to someone already in wrestling, I think it's a lot easier for someone who's already in wrestling to be coached and on board and, and brought into that role up to speed quicker. Um, but you know, I, I, totally see what Patrick's means too about what they are trying to do with bringing in, you know, broadcasters and uh, people from, from different sports. I think they just brought in a backstage interviewer on SmackDown who used to be with the, the Patriots. And so I feel like that tends to be the direction that they are looking at a little bit more now, but they have to really look at how do we set these people up for success in the future? So I've got, I didn't expect you guys to have names. I have two. One that I knew going into the question, one that I thought of during the question. Years ago, they made news because they were making overtures to try to hire then UFC commentator Mike Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen. Goldberg said he would never leave UFC. Well, he's been gone for a couple of years now. So uh, more than a couple, I think. So that's, he could definitely be available. He's very over the top. He's very, he's got a recognizable voice that, that you could never forget. And I think that he could definitely be a possibility if he wants it, if he cares enough to do that because he's got his own business and, and he's got plenty of stuff going on. He lives out here in, in Phoenix too. So um, so he's a possibility. The other one I don't know if they would go to because of the AEW connection, although I'm pretty sure this guy is not employed by AEW, which is kind of a one-time thing because he was only used that one time. He was also the commentator for the Rocks Titan Games on NBC. So he has a relationship with NBC and everyone else. And that's Alex Golden Boy Mendez, who is also, of course, big on G4. You know, he's probably friends with Xavier Woods, knows wrestling, loves wrestling, talks wrestling. To me, you know, I, as I always think in terms of the business side of the business, if I were starting anything and it was going to be a televised, you know, product, cable TV, whatever, he's the guy I would go after. As a commentator, because I thought he did a damn good. He's probably the best commentator AEW's ever had, to be 100% honest with you, in terms of play-by-play and commentary, because he doesn't get his own way and he's not, this, you know, this this you know shell of his former self or parody of his former self, like like the two old guys they have running around. I think he would be an amazing addition to their team, and I think he would fit in. And I think he would, if he were thrown into the Adnan Verk situation, which I don't wish on anybody, I think he'd do very well. Um I hope that the let's try to think outside the box experiment isn't dead because of this. I think there's value to it. And I think WWE is not a wrestling company. It's a multimedia, global conglomerate, television, movie production company. So they shouldn't just think in terms of wrestling. Not that they wouldn't. I could see them. I, I can't think of anybody who's on MLW, who's on Ring of Honor. I'm like the one person who doesn't think Ian Riccoboni is a great commentator. So that's, that's on me. But... I was going to say, I think AJ Kirsch right now is kind of uh, doing a social media push. Well, of course. Uh, to, if, yes. If you they know, wanted also AJ former Kirsch, tough they enough contestant. Probably, they probably already would have hired AJ Kirsch, to be 100% honest with you. Yeah, no. Um, and and I think it's, it's uh, again, I think it's it's a fair thing to, they'll probably look at someone in a different realm of mm-hmm. sports slash entertainment before that. Because you're right. I, it's, it's WWE is an entertainment company that just happens to specialize in wrestling. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like they definitely, that's a great way to put it. Like they can present any product they want to. The product they present just happens to usually be wrestling. It's not even always wrestling. So 
There we go. Patrick O'Dowd requested the Adnan Verk topic, and I think we got way more mileage out of it than I expected to. So, Patrick O'Dowd, great suggestion. Go us. Good Good on you. Way to go. Here's what I need you guys to think about. Because, no, no, actually, I I do have one. I don't need you to come up with one. I I have one myself. We're good. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. I preface this with a comment that I really hope we haven't done this one before, and I just can't remember it. I don't think we have. I don't think you guys did it without me. If so... My bad. We'll change it. I'll come up with a backup plan. The Babyface Heel of the Week is our time to take a look at one of wrestling's most famous or infamous personalities from yesterday or today and decide how they were better or would be better in this case as a babyface or as a heel. This week's Babyface Heel of the Week is none other than multi-time women's champion, Bailey. So. We've not done Bailey. Uh, you would have said something immediately. So, um, right. I'm gonna let Miranda Morales go first. She's the noted Bailey fan yeah. before any of us came around on Bailey. Miranda Morales, how is Bailey better as a babyface or as a heel? Man, this is hard. This one's a hard one for me because I am a day one Bailey fan, and we all know that was her babyface run. You know, that was her, this underdog story in NXT, um, you know, her triumphs and tribulations to get to the NXT Women's Championship, being the one of the four horsewomen kind of left behind, quote unquote, when the other three went to the main roster and she was back in NXT um, as as women's champion, but really helping build that division for it to be successful after she left. Um, Man, and at one point as a baby face, she was getting comparisons as this female John Cena, you know, something that could be marketed towards kids and families. So as I talk myself into this, so I have come around to her heel run. It took a while. It took some working and tweaking of her look, of, you know, her mannerisms, of, you know, story-wise, and, and that really got sold with Sasha. Having the tables turned on that rivalry where Bailey was the heel, you know, was was the turning point of her heel run. But you know how how could I how could I say no to babyface Bailey? That helped establish her career. That helped establish her her success. Um, I think that I mean just. Tons of of little kids, especially girls, just looked up to her. And when you think about one of the best women's matches in all of WWE in, you know, the past 10 years, you do think about Bailey and Sasha at NXT TakeOver. And it was because she was in that solidified babyface role to Sasha's heel. And I think that that also that's another point, too, is that her in that babyface role has played so well against heel uh, Sasha, heel Charlotte, heel Becky, 
And I, it's it's almost challenging to think about it the other way around. I think the only reason it kind of worked with Sasha was because of the history. But as a face, she really was a great foil for whoever was opposite of her. Asuka, um, Naya, um, you know, the and kind of the list goes on. So as much as I can appreciate and like the direction her character is going in, I feel like she was at her best, her most popular as a baby face. Patrick, what do you think? Bailey as a face was was everything you just said there, Miranda. She was wonderful, put on good matches. Kids loved her, had the bright colors, all of that great, great stuff. And it's thoroughly boring. And overstate its welcome to the point that Bailey was like, I need a change from this and need to go in a different direction and was literally asking to turn to freshen herself up. And when she made her shift into, you know, not, not even, not even an in-between, like she just straight up heel Uh, and, and the varying ways that she's been a heel has been great, whether it's this, you know, the, the Sasha and the Sasha feud, notwithstanding, but like the power driven, like had to have the, had to have that title and, and just was going to do anything and everything to hold on to it. You know, she was Bailey two belts and then wasn't going to let her, she was going to keep her title and let Sasha take the fall. And that was going to be okay to even her being a Karen on WrestleMania. <laughs> Like she was a Karen. Like, it was oh, yeah. it was great. It was hilarious. And it was just such like it was such a breath of fresh air. I think both for myself as a fan, but I also think for her too. Like I think she is having as about as much fun as she's had in, in her time up with the main roster, being this this heel. And she's at a point as a heel, she doesn't have to win. And she's still over. Doesn't matter. Lose, you're still over. Lose, you're still credible. And that to me is the hallmark of a, of a successful heel is when you are at a point where you're still a threat, even though you lose all the time, you, you've made it, you've done it. And that's your, and that's your character. So for me, I have found her to be wildly more entertaining with her angry makeup, her Karen hair, her attitude, willingness to 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 eat eat a couple of shots from Bella Twins to turning around and making herself uh, a thorn and whoever's the women's champ at the time. Give me heel Bailey. I, I love it. Recently, WWE put out a, a call on social media for who was the MVP of the Thunderdome era since the Thunderdome era coming to an end, at least temporarily. And lots of names have been shouted out there, but Kevin Owens responded with the phrase ding dong. Hello. In response to who was the MVP of the Thunderdome era for, for of course they're not going to call it COVID era. Cause it's WWE. They're not going to say that, but I, you talked about Bailey can lose and be over. Bailey cannot wrestle and still be over. She is to the point right. of character where she doesn't have to work. She was, was one of the most memorable parts of WrestleMania, a very memorable WrestleMania. And on all fronts and Bailey found a way to shine, even though she didn't have a match and, and did so in, in a way that we'll remember for, for many, many years to come. And, and I remember even like when we went to SmackDown here in Arizona back in, in 2020, right before COVID hit, 
I remember thinking Bailey is like, I came around on Bailey, but her heel run didn't start that great. She wasn't cutting. She yeah. still sounded like that crier in the promos, you know, that person who talks yeah. you know, public speaking, but they always sound like they're going to cry. And I always, you know, feel bad for them because I'm sure it's not really their fault. It's just kind of how their voice sounds. And that was Bailey for a long time. Charlotte Flair had the same problem when she first started cutting promos. And Bailey really got over as a heel. But I have said from day one, she would have a job for life as a babyface because of the character, because of the gimmick, because of the kids. And that she would have a job for life as a babyface on the house shows. Well, we haven't had those in quite a long time. And even when we go back to them, we're probably only going to have them Saturdays and Sundays. And it's probably only going to be half the roster alternate. Like, it's never going to be like it was. And it probably shouldn't be given where WWE is in their business right now. But I'm going to be honest with you, as good as Heel Bailey is, and, and Heel Bailey is who got me to turn around on Bailey as a character, I still think Babyface Bailey is the better Bailey and the way to go. And when she eventually goes back to being Babyface Bailey, even if she has the Bailey buddies and everything else, I think she'll be even better because of this heel run that she had. You can't have this amazing heel run out of Roman Reigns without the babyface run that he had. Even John Cena, when he turned babyface, was a heel before that. It, it is, it's very hard to be one and not the other in the modern day world of pro wrestling. Not everybody's Ricky Steamboat. Not everybody's Sting. It's, it's just not the same as it has been in the past. You kind of need to do both to get over. Look at Kevin Owens. Again, the reason why he's so popular now as a babyface is because people loved his work as a heel, especially the stuff that he did with Chris Jericho. That to me is Bailey as well, and and put her in a position to where she can do this amazing job. And, and be, she's such a good heel that she made Sasha Banks a babyface when Sasha was a heel the whole time. Like that's how good of a heel she has been. Sasha did nothing babyface s during that feud, but was positioned as the babyface. And we haven't seen her since WrestleMania. She'll be back when when SmackDown comes back. All of that, same with Edge. But I, it, it's tough. I actually really like both sides of Bailey at this point, but I do think her best place to be. Is 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 as a as a baby face, but I think it's fifty one percent, forty nine percent. I really think it's very very close on where I am with Bailey. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes, and you better make it good. We got three minutes, and we're out of here. The clock is ticking, and we're in the clear. We got three minutes, and we're out of here. We got three minutes, and we're out. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but Drew McIntyre was recently interviewed. And amongst all the questions he was asked, he was asked to share his dream opponents. And he named three people. Any ideas, first off, on who those three people were? Or guesses on no. who those three people were? They're all in WWE. I'll okay. tell you that much. This isn't like a Daniel Bryan Are situation. Are they active? He, yes. This isn't like a Daniel Bryan situation where he says, you know, Kenny Omega. Yeah, they're all people he could wrestle tomorrow. Oh, Okay. Um, AJ? No, surprisingly, because I think that'd be a hell of a man. Wow. Okay. Huh. Um, huh. Miranda, you take a guess. Since Patrick guessed AJ. Uh, oh my gosh. I don't. Oh man. <laughs> my mind's drawing just, a Just blade. say a name. <laughs> There's people on the roster. Uh, oh, God. Um, Roman. No. Yes. Oh. Roman Reigns was okay. one of the three names that he shared. He said he's, 
he he liked the match they had. He didn't like the fact that there was interference and a low flow, a low blow involved. And he thinks they could do even better now with where they both are in the company. The other name I, I kind of I teased it a little bit and alluded to it is Daniel Bryan, and I was intrigued by that name because because I think again the most believable smaller wrestler fighting bigger wrestlers in the world is Daniel Bryan, and I think that would be a hell of a match. I really like. I think to me that's like. I never would have called Drew McIntyre versus Daniel Bryan. And now that Drew McIntyre brought it up, I want to see it more than anything. Like, I think that would be one hell of a match. The other dream opponent that Drew McIntyre said that, you know, I, I just, just, just couldn't be more thrilled that, that Drew McIntyre oh, no. wants to wrestle this person <laughs> as his dream opponent. Here's the great thing about his comments about Drew McIntyre. Nowhere in those comments, or about his, his, Drew McIntyre's comments about Jinder Mahal, nowhere in those comments did he mention three-man band. He didn't talk about their history at all. He just talked about the work that Jinder's done and where he is and how great of a match he thinks it would be. Like, that's what really surprised me the most is the fact that he just wants to wrestle gender as gender. It wasn't even about the history. Now, you know, they'd play into the history and they would do all that. And and it was supposed to happen before gender got hurt. And and I would love love to see it from a personal perspective. Of course, I'd get mad when gender lost. But actually, I wouldn't get mad when gender lost. Gender can lose. It doesn't matter. He's, he's untouchable at this point. He's gender freaking Mahal. <laughs> he's the modern day Maharaja. It doesn't matter what you do. You uh. think Bailey... Can, can get by with losing. Jinder could lose a hundred more times than Bailey and still be more over than Bailey. It's Jinder freaking Mahal. And that's why all I have that, to include it as today's three minute one. So, all that because so he get, put over Gronk. Yeah. Yeah, you know. No, I know. I, we talked yeah. about it. We yeah. No, I mean, he's he's fairly indestructible. I mean, I, I that's, I think, to his credit, always bouncing back always coming when you least expect it, always, you know, making his, his way back into the fold. And that kind of uh, be that ability to bounce back, you know, continuously is a tremendous asset. You know, that's what you need in the WWE. You've talked a lot about, you know, being able to ride the waves and being able to hold on when, you know, they don't have things for you. You know, gender is a prime example of that. He's been able to benefit when they have great things for him. And he's also, you know, had to kind of wait out when they don't. Um, but I think that his level of patience that he has with this company in particular will continue to to pay you know in folds and especially if the the man drew mcintyre you know the one of the faces of the company you know that's still his dream match it's going to happen at one point you know drew mcintyre is pitching for it and i'm sure gender is as well we're going to see it down the line oh yeah when who knows doesn't matter when when we do it's going to be box office baby right it's going to be huge because it's drew mcintyre make, make no mistake by the way like Everything genders achieved, he's earned. Yes, but oh, like in all seriousness, in fact, like I'm, he truly I'm has literally stop way. you from talking because we could do a whole show on Gender Mahal, like an actual serious sure. topic on Gender Mahal, and maybe it's Chair Shot Radio, but maybe it's this, and, and because of what gender has been able to accomplish and overcome and all of that. So that 
We'll wrap things up on this week's edition of the Babyface Heel Podcast. You can find him on your Twitter at Wrestling Realist. It's W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. There's no I in wrestling, but there is one in Realist. And there is one in Patrick for the Wrestling Realist. Patrick O'Dowd. Patrick O'Dowd returning to, to the airwaves this week with Bandwagon Nerds. And I'm assuming Chair Shot Radio as well. Um, continuing to do that because we need the hockey coverage. Patrick O'Dowd, what can people... I'll let, I always ask you, whether it's a nerd review, whether it's bandwagon nerds, whether it's, it's the chair shot radio, you pick. Which one do you want to highlight? Uh, we'll highlight uh, chair shot radio. Or not chair shot radio, sorry, bandwagon nerds. Because uh, we're still doing the Hero Project. This week we did uh, Heroes and in Independent Comics, but next week we're going mainstream. It's Marvel, uh, top 10 heroes from Marvel. So we're getting into the known characters uh, for the next couple of weeks before Loki hits Disney Plus. Which we're all very excited about. So excellent. Patrick O'Dowd, excited that, that you're back. You've survived your, your multiple weeks of craziness as, as in your business. I did. Those happen. And so we have to go through those. You can find her on the Instagram at the hashtag Miranda and the Facebook hashtag is spelled out. Not on the Twitter because she's a Twitterless heroine and the queen of soft style. It's Miranda Morales. Miranda. With the hashtag Miranda show already in the can, but we'll still broadcast it at its regularly scheduled time. Tell people what they can expect off of this uh, more unique edition of your show coming up this week. Yes, this is a really unique edition because I did a collaboration with the trio at Trifulka Wrestling Media. They are a trio of wrestling podcasters um, that are Puerto Rican. So, of course, that's why. But they're uh, based uh, different members in different parts of, of the U.S. and also in Puerto Rico. And we do a preview of Double or Nothing. So myself, Omar, Gerardo, and Alex, we go through the matches of Double or Nothing. We give our predictions. And I talk a little bit uh, with them about Trifurca Media, their presence in, uh, you know, Spanish uh, countries, the presence that they have, um, their their interviews, and kind of just them as bilingual podcasters, you know, how they run and kind of their background and how they got together. So um, it's a very different but awesome episode of the Hashtag Miranda Show this week. And good dude, like Alex, he's reached out to me multiple times just to see how I'm doing. Like he's literally just a good dude, good person um, and, and checks on me and all the time. And he wouldn't even know I existed if it wasn't for Miranda Morales. And yet he, he checks on to want to see how I'm doing, how I'm doing with that. I was going to do this earlier before the first commercial and forgot. I did want to provide the people with an update. You can follow me at Chair Shot Greg, by the way. Um, as, as I try to keep everybody informed because people reach out all the time. And, and sometimes it's like overwhelming and I, I try to get back to everybody. So if I haven't, I apologize when you're getting it via text, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, who knows what else? Like sometimes it's like, Oh, I forgot about this and I'm sorry. Um, I had a, a round of blood work recently that actually took longer to get the results from because it was like specialty blood work and they needed a, the, the approval from like, like, like special approval, of the insurance needed from the doctor that he didn't give ahead of time. So he gave that whatever and it came back. And so, with, with chronic myeloid leukemia or CML, there's a thing called the Philadelphia chromosome, which is, is scientifically called BCRABL, or they call it like Barcival or something weird like that, that, that the doctor always calls it. And I have no idea what he's saying. And 
basically that is is required for the CML diagnosis. You can have the high white blood cell count, but not have that. If you don't have the Philadelphia chromosome, it's not CML. It's probably something worse, to, to be honest with you. And again, I don't want to downplay it, but if you're going to get leukemia, get this kind. Um, but my, so, so they've been measuring my BCR ABL and it came back. No one knows what these numbers mean, but it went from like 56 to seven. Okay. And lower is better in, in this case. So it's like my white blood cell count is normal now. Now my BCR ABL is getting down as well. I've been on treatment since February 2nd. So that, that's a big part of the reason why, right? The news there is because if you have that and if you're able to keep that under control for a certain period of time, then your leukemia is considered to be in remission. Now, mine is not yet, and that can take more time before it's considered to be in remission. But the doctor has been working. It's been his goal from day one is to work towards molecular remission, and, and we're getting there. We're getting towards that, and, and that continues to, continues to be a thing, continues to be a goal. And it's weird because as I tell people about this, like, oh, this is great, this is that. It struck me again, and it struck me before, and I oftentimes forget it. CML, chronic myeloid leukemia, not something you can feel. I don't feel any differently. I don't have any CML symptoms, right? You can have side effects from the treatment, which are, are, do happen, but they're thankfully for me that they're somewhat rare. Um, so I don't have symptoms. I don't feel any different. People ask me how I'm feeling all the time and they do it because they care. So I'm not criticizing those who ask me how I'm feeling, but I don't feel any different than what I felt before I had this. But so, so it's talk about trusting. And, you know, I joked about science earlier, talk about having trust doctors, right? Like I have to completely trust everything they say because I don't wake up one day and be like, oh, geez, I feel this. I think I have leukemia. Like it just doesn't work like that. And, and it was found through routine blood work. Like I said before, it's not like I had a symptom and then went and got it checked out either. So this is really cool. It's really cool to know that, that, you know, doing everything the doctor says, thankfully the doctor was like, keep working out, keep focusing on all that. It's only going to help you turned out to be true. So here we are today. Hopefully at some point I get to tell you all that, that this thing's in remission and that's where we are. That's my goal. I have my fingers across for that. We'll see, but I am headed down that road, continuing to work on it. It's incurable. So even if I have remission, I still have leukemia. It does not go away. Um, there is no cure for, for what I have, but it can be controlled and it can cause me to have the same life I would have had without it. And that's where we are now. So that's the update I wanted to make sure everybody had. If you listen to Chair Shot Radio on Tuesday morning, you got that as well. I haven't posted it on social media yet because I haven't been able to record the video, but I will and be very excited to share that with everybody as well. So for those of you who keep asking, thank you. There's the update. I'll try to put it out there as many ways as possible so people will get it. I can't thank people enough for the questions and support and everything that they do share. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, we're going to keep on working towards it and keep on doing that. So with all that said and all those thank yous, I don't want to say out of the way because they're too important to be out of the way. That really does do it for this week's edition of the Babyface Heal podcast. You know, it's the kind of show that I figured would be a short one and it's like the longest one we've had since we started this new format. So that's just what happened. Of course, we went like 25 minutes talking about nothing that we'd planned on talking about in the beginning. So, but that's you know, when you go off the rails and the rails can't even be seen anymore from how far away from them you are. That's usually a good thing in the world of podcasting. So for Patrick O'Dowd, for Miranda Morales, my name is Greg DeMarco. We thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Babyface Heal podcast. And until next time, well, you know what to do. Just remember to do nothing but always use your head. Let's listen to gender one more time. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh.
TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 